it just ended. I just thought <laughs> it might go on a while. It was great. Good morning, friends, and uh, welcome to our 8.30 service today. It's good to see those of you who are in the room. Uh, we know, as always, they're more joining us online. It's good to be together in uh, God's house. Uh, some of you are visiting with us. We're really honored uh, that you've come. I hope that you'll leave some contact information so we can reach out to you and maybe begin the process of befriending one another. That would be great. My name is James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. I want to make sure that you take a look at the bulletin. We have lots of things going on in the life of the church. There is something for everyone. Um, if you are, it's nearing the end of the year, believe it or not. If you have some PTO you need to use, you should definitely use it to go to Mexico with our missions department. There's details in your bulletin. Also excited to share that our annual women's retreat registration is now open. Um, the retreat is February 9th through 11th. But again, details in the bulletin, check it out. If there's anything we can do to help you plug in, please let us know. It is good to be together. Let us continue on in worship.
Family of God, now let us join our voices together as we proclaim our faith through the Apostles' Creed as found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, it is our great privilege at the service to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Izzy and Trey Smith bring their son, James Harold Smith IV, today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin? If so, say we do. Do you confess Christ as your savior, put your trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say we do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life. If so, say we will. And will you, members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include this family now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround this family with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, say we will. Friends, let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, you delivered them through the sea. Their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he calls his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection. 
Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water in him who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in your final victory. All praise to eternal Father through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. You just hang on there. <laughs> James will be happier. James Harold Smith IV, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Therefore, let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Child of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. Friends, we just had a beautiful reminder of the gift of God's grace, and it is because of that grace that we know we can come into this place to confess our sins before God and one another. So please join me in our prayer of confession as printed in your bulletin. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading today is from Exodus chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make yourself any graven image. You shall not take the lame of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Now when all the people perceived the thunderings and lightnings and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to prove you and that the fear of him may be before your eyes that you may not sin. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 22, beginning with the 35th verse. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I learned on uh, the way down the aisle that uh, today is um, James Harold Smith IV's first birthday. That's a cool thing. At 11 o'clock today, we have somebody coming, and today is his 99th birthday. And I suspect he will not wish to be carried around by me either. <laughs> not sure. Uh, a big seminary realization that I had uh, came from uh, Martin Luther, the great uh, reformer. Uh, when he preached on the Ten Commandments, one of the things that he said is, we misunderstand them as, you know, this is a finger wagging God telling you what you better do. He said, inside each one of the commandments, there's a gospel promise. There's grace and mercy hidden inside each one of them, right? So it says, no other gods. The, the hidden promises, you don't need other gods. Other, other things that you follow and think are going to give you the fullness of life, they'll just disappoint you. I want you to be freed from that frustration. Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The hidden promises, but you can you can rest. God is God. God's got the world in his hand. Not everything depends on you and your feverish activity. The commandments say, don't covet. Don't covet the hidden promises. You don't have to. You're enough. You have enough. Comparing yourself to others will only corrode your soul. I love all of that. Uh, the Ten Commandments often get politicized, and it's really, really uh, wrong. Periodically, you have these spasms where, I don't fault it, where people want to post the Ten Commandments in public, you know, big stone uh, slabs with the Ten Commandments in city squares and so on. I never understand it, really. I mean, it's almost as if somebody, like they're thinking about killing somebody, but then they see the commandment and think, I didn't, no, God didn't want me to kill. I won't. 
somebody's about to commit adultery, they think, oh yeah, but that commandment that I saw, don't commit adultery, I better not do that. The commandments tend to become a way, don't they, of judging other people. Uh, God sent down stones, and uh, we become the kind of people that we use them uh, like rocks to throw at other people. If we don't read them for ourselves, we use them to condemn other people. I think God had known we would do such a thing. God would not have given the commandments on stone. God would have sewn them into soft blankets. <laughs> God would have sewn them into soft blankets. If God had known what we would do with things like commandments and laws. Uh, God might have started off differently, I don't know. You know, on the, uh, parenthetically, this isn't part of the sermon. I guess it is part of the sermon if I tell you now, isn't it? Uh, that's a funny line. You've you got to work with me. It's early in the morning. I'm still waking up. Went to my high school reunion last night in Columbia, South Carolina. Got back late. I wasn't going to go. Started getting calls, people shaming into going. Finally, the head of the event called me. She said, you must come. I said, why? She said, you're the only one in our class who can pray. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's not of the sermon is this. On the 16th, eight days from now, I'm going to have a conversation with Mark Holland, who leads an organization called Mainline UMC, about what's going on in our denomination. And I would just reiterate here something that I've said a number of times. I think it's important. We have churches that are parting ways with one another, and there are a lot of ways to think about it. And I want them to be blessed. I want them, those who are leaving, to be blessed, to be whole. Uh, but I think we're making a mistake often. Churches decide that uh, they're supposed to be the world's moral police. Uh, they're supposed to take those commandments, tell everybody else what's right and wrong. The problem is they're speaking to people who are not in the room, and people who are not in the room aren't looking to the church saying, please tell us what our morals should be, and we will do as you wish. No one's listening. People who are outside the church, uh, especially younger people, are just so done with church because they think that we're cold and judgmental and trying to be the moral police of the world. As I said before, a way better image for church is from that documentary that Lisa and I saw. This guy, David Brown, goes to a city, and everywhere he goes, he, he puts up signs that say, come sing with us Thursday night at 7, and all kinds of people come, black, white, young, old, straight, gay. They all come together, and they sing, and they listen to each other's stories. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's what church is supposed to be, right? We just say, come, come. Let's learn the mercy of God. We need to learn the mercy of God because sometimes the people that we judge most harshly is not somebody outside, it's ourselves. This may be the people who are coming later this morning, but I bet there are a few here. Our harshest judgment often is on me, myself. We can be so hard on ourselves, and we don't realize that See, what we do with the Ten Commandments, if you just list the Ten Commandments, you sever them from the author of the Ten Commandments. And the author of the Ten Commandments is the God that delivered Israel. It's the God of compassion. It's the God that created the beauty and the wonders of the world. It's the God who is the lover of your soul. It's the God who is unfailing in mercy and grace. It's the God who gave himself up for us on the cross. That's the reason you don't judge and condemn yourself. Think of the Ten Commandments, I love what Zora Neale Hurston wrote. I know I've read it years ago to you, but I just love it. She says this, Moses lifted the freshly chiseled tablets of stone in his hands and gazed down the mountain to where Israel waited. He knew a great exultation. Now men could be free. They had something of the essence of divinity. 
They have the chart and the compass of behavior. They need not stumble into blind ways and injure themselves. This was bigger than Israel. It comprehended the whole world. Israel could be a haven for all forever by these sacred stones with flakes of light still clinging to his face. Moses turned to where Joshua waited for him and said, Joshua, I have laws. Israel is going to know peace and justice. I love that. Jesus didn't come and shred the laws. Jesus came to fulfill the laws. He talks about things like, says you don't kill. I've never murdered anybody. Jesus says if you harbor anger in your heart, it's the same. There's so much mercy in that, isn't there? Instead of letting yourself be eaten away at by the toxic anger that you may feel towards somebody of a different political ideology or somebody who's a terrible driver, indeed, Jesus wants to set us free from that and said, don't, don't kill, you don't need to be angry. And they asked Jesus, what is the greatest of the commandments? He says, what's well, love God, love your neighbor. That's really what the Ten Commandments are about, They're the beginning of the way God showed us how to love God and neighbor. I've been thinking a lot lately about coveting coveting. Thomas Merton wrote this, when you accept what you have, you see all that you have received is more than enough, and you are overwhelmed. So you needn't covet because God has given you so much more than enough. And it's sneaky, though, right? Because especially for people like us, we think God has given us more than enough. Yeah, look at me. I've, I've got a house at Keogh, and I've got a house in the mountains, and a plush home here, and fine wine. And this, that's all what God has in mind. God's given you more than enough. God's given you the breath that you just took. Somebody loved you. Somebody was merciful to you. God is merciful to you. God's given us so much. Uh, the love, the, the not coveting, I, I, I'm phrasing it this way, right? If God says don't covet, what this means is that instead of wanting what your neighbor has, we should want good for the neighbor. Instead of wanting what your neighbor has, we should want good for the neighbor. And then Jesus sneaks in. You know he's going to do it. Like You're good with that, right? I'm getting my neighbor's mail this week. That's just like so enjoyable. I'm loving my neighbor. I get his mail every day without fail and I give it to him in a little bag when he comes back. It's great. Jesus asked the question, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And it's not the person that you really like who lives next door and you get their mail. The neighbor is who the world might account as a stranger. The, the neighbor in Jesus' great story, it's the Samaritan, the, the guy that they really loathe so much. Who's your neighbor? It's the unlikely neighbor. It's the unlikely neighbor. So I've been trying to think of illustrations this week of love, of neighbor. There's so many stories. Uh, in 2006, a guy named Charles, Ro Charles Roberts uh, took a gun and shot 10 children in Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. They were Amish children. Five were killed. Then Roberts turned the gun on himself. The Amish parents went to the parents of Charles Roberts, the gunman, and said, "We." We forgive your son. I've told people this, and they say, I just couldn't do that. It's a gospel thing. Forgiveness, love of neighbor. One of our church members, Diane Collard, uh, she and Glenn are actually traveling in Europe now. Their uh, son, a number of years back, was brutally murdered by somebody in Switzerland. 
Diane tells a beautiful story about it. It took her years to get to the point, but she finally was able to forgive her son's killer, and she has visited with him and befriended him. Last week, I talked about an episode of Ted Lasso. People love my sermons like my grade goes up by you know, one letter grade when I mention Ted Lasso, so it's good. And the forgiveness scene where uh, Sam's restaurant has been uh, vandalized, but uh, Sam's father, Ola, says you, you have to forgive. It's a beautiful story. This week I finished uh, Joe Posnanski's uh, great new book on baseball. Joe Posnanski, he's like the greatest baseball writer in the world, and I just heard he lives here in Charlotte. Like, he's got to have coffee with me. He's absolutely amazing. He tells us this book, the story of Armando Galarraga, who pitched for the Detroit Tigers and in 2010. Uh, he was on the verge of a perfect game. A perfect game is when nobody gets on base the entire game. So he's, he's mowed down 26, and he's up to the 27th batter, uh, who hits the ball, and he's clearly out at first base, but the umpire, Jim Joyce, inexplicably says, safe. And this is before instant replay. You couldn't change the call, right? So I remember seeing this on TV and being outraged, and there was outrage. Off guard. Everybody was outraged except one person, and you know who that was? That was Armando Galarraga. He was on the mound smiling after his perfect game had been taken from him. They came up to him after the game and said, Jim Joyce checked the replay and saw that he got the call wrong. He tried to get the commissioner of baseball to change it, and he wouldn't change it. And he's in tears over there, and Armando said, i got to go talk to this guy. I mean, nobody's perfect. <laughs> nobody's perfect. They interviewed him later, and he said, I couldn't be angry because if I were angry, I couldn't be happy. Or angry. I couldn't be happy. We have places all over this world where, because of our church's work, we were presented with new neighbors. Uh, I awakened yesterday, as many of us did, to the news of the horrible violence in Israel, Palestine, uh, Gaza. We've come over time to have friends there in Israel. One of our church members, by the way, sent me a phone tape of someone that she knows who lives in Gaza, just miserable, crying for help. We have neighbors. We have neighbors all over the world, and so many things that are going on all over the world. You, you're like, you can't fix everything, but we are going to ask for money, right, Nathan, this week uh, for our Armenian friends who, if you followed this story, uh, Azerbaijan has violently taken over a disputed region called Nagorno-Karabakh. It's full of it's Armenians live there, but they've decided they want it, so all the Armenians have to go into Armenia proper and leave their homes and their schools and the land that they've known. We're, we're, we're going to collect some money to provide relief for them because we have good friends there who can help us with that. I had a, uh, I reconnected this week to, this is an amazing story. When I was pastor up in Davidson, somebody introduced me to a little kid, I think he was maybe nine or 10 at the time, named uh, Jarmel Baxter. His mother just died of a drug overdose and his grandmother uh, was trying to raise him but had difficulties. And our church at that time had hope teams that would try to walk alongside somebody facing severe crisis in life. We'd never done it with a kid. We asked the Hope team to like, yeah, walk with Jarmel, be his friend, and they did that uh, beautifully, uh, and Jarmel went from just hopelessness. He narrates it himself so wonderfully. Uh, his life was just, he had no future. <laughs> but because of friends from church, uh, they walked him through all of this, and he became a high school basketball star and then played for Fayetteville State. They hired him as a coach at Fayetteville State, and then recently he completed his Ph.D., 
love your neighbor. Does that work all the time? No. But isn't it worth trying because it might happen once? Isn't it worth trying because you're part of a church where that happens just once? Jarmel's amazing. People praise him for how well he did. His response to that was, I didn't do it for myself. He said, I did it for my church. I did it for my community. I love him. We're building houses over at Plato Price, exciting Jimmy Carter build this week. It was absolutely a stupendous thing. New neighbors, people we've not met yet, but they are our neighbors that will be our neighbors. And while we're talking about love of neighbor, I do have to say this. I've been hearing stories lately about fractured relationships, fractured marriages. Sometimes the neighbor that God can miraculously help you to love is in the bed next to you it seems like the love is lost and dried up. Friends, the commandments have hidden inside them so much mercy, so much grace. It all comes out as love God, love your neighbor, and all will be so very well. Thanks be to God. and adore you as we gather today and all days and we celebrate you being with us always through our Egypts you have freed us and given us new hope new joy and new perspective Lord in your mercy patient and enduring God we are in constant need of your mercy and grace Forgive us when we become legalistic to the ways of this world rather than persistent in our approach to seek the welfare and welcome of all people. Forgive us when we love the law of the land more than the law of your heart, O God, and love as you have called us to love. Cleanse us now of your prejudices, of our prejudices, limitations and constraints that hinder us from seeking the well-being for all of our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy. Loving Spirit, guide us, form us, work within and through us as we strive to love our neighbor well. Shatter the hardened portions of our hearts so that we may truly give thanks, and abundantly so through the ways we engage with one another and the ways in which we show up for your work every day and not our own desires. Remind us through your persistent nudging that we have more than enough and that our lives are to live generously and fruitfully for your kingdom's sake. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, when we see as you see and hear as you hear, we are more able to come alongside those who are hurting, struggling, and mourning. Today, we collectively grieve the violence in Israel and Palestine. 
in Armenia, in East Charlotte, in our own homes, in our own communities. We ache with those who ache. We lament with those who lament. We are here for those who are experiencing pains from oppressive restraints. We mourn for the ways in which the church has harmed and hindered rather than welcomed and fought for marginalized communities. Especially this morning, God, we pray for the families who are mourning, who are grieving the loss of their earthly loss, the family of Patrick Reams and Jeffrey Schott. Lord, in your mercy. We offer these prayers, the prayers that we have spoken aloud, the prayers that are weighing heavy on our hearts, the prayers that we will have later this day. In the name of Jesus, who told us and taught us to pray together as a family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And church family, as we continue this time of worship, of giving our, ourselves abundantly, we rejoice that we have such an ability to share our worship experiences online so that we can connect with those throughout our country and throughout our world. Thank you for your generosity.
generous God, we give thanks for the opportunity to give back to your work, to your mission, to your kingdom advancement for generational transformation. In Jesus' name, amen.
family of God, let us go and live out the greatest commandment, to love God and to love our neighbors. Go now in the love and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.